All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 158 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. This episode is presented by Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride in the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. Not just for a big four, BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, from MMA to international soccer. Head on over to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts all right mots uh we haven't chatted in a while here so uh what's been happening what's the catch-up how's the hockey seasons off and running uh lots to talk about i would say yeah doing great uh you know brooke had a couple games this weekend yeah, I thought, you know, her team played really well on Sunday morning, moving pucks. She, I thought she had a good game, you know, good positional play, using the middle of the ice again. Uh, I was pumped. Love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Ryan had uh, a game on. It was kind of a cool setup. So the coaches got together and had, so it was like kind of like a mini jamboree type thing, but, you know, full games. Yep. Two different ranks, uh, and they staggered the start time so that, you know, coaches could come and, you know, catch at least a half a game of every single game. You know, so it was pretty good Sunday afternoon. Um, they played at St. Sebastian's, but played against um, Governors. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it was Nobles and St. Sebastian's were the two venues. And um, I just thought it was a pretty cool idea. You know, those you know, coaches available on a Sunday afternoon to come in and um, kind of have some more exposure for the kids. So uh, they came up on the losing end, but they get, they're getting back at it uh, this week and trying to get back on the winning ways. Yeah. No, that's great stuff. We um, same thing here was uh, you know a couple games on the weekend with uh, the youngest and Colin um, and I'm sorry and, and Brian had a, uh, a game up at Bridgeton on Saturday night, which I wasn't able to get up to just with my schedule. We were up at Merrimack with my 2011 team, so the juggling act is tough, and that was you know to mix in a three hour ride up to Bridgeton Academy wasn't in the in the cards, but. I'm looking forward to being able to catch him play a couple times this week. And I got to hang with your brother a little bit. Colin's uh, skating with your nephew. So it was pretty exciting. And, you know, me and Rob Mott's getting to hang out and, and you know, tell some stories together, talk about you and you know, all, <laughs> all that good stuff. That's great. Yeah. You know, like I was saying about, you know, spending time and, you know, I don't get to see him uh, as much as, as as I would like, I would say. But uh, it's great that you can catch up with them and the boys and congrats to to Colin for making the team number one right yeah, and yeah. um you'll be seeing a lot more of him at the rank so that's good you know he's, he's I'm standing man. I'm standing there next to him and uh and you know we're, we're chatting and this and that and Joanne's like I feel like you're just talking to Mott's like it, it's like talking to the same person I'm like well yeah basically it is it's just it's just big Mott's yeah the old the, the original the OG <laughs> <laughs> the OG mods, uh, but it's always great catching up with them. And obviously, I've known them for so long, and we, you know, we like coach in the same organization. And uh, Greg, like, you know, has such a good outlook on the game, and you know, played it and 
just just talk to it like just talking to them it's like a wealth of knowledge so it's uh it's, it's similar to talking to you it's like my uh you know i get a i get a little you know a little taste yeah. a little taste you of know the mozzarellas exactly exactly but uh it's good it's good stuff and yeah the high school hockey season is kind of getting underway here obviously it was it's good to watch the uh you know prep schools really ramping up and i thought that great that idea of that um you know that jamboree between sebs and nobles which are you know at the end of the day for people that don't know much of, uh about the new england prep school ranks like the schools are probably what five two miles yeah. yeah i was gonna say like two miles uh, away it's not not a very far ride so right. to be able to you know promote the kids and um you know have college coaches and different people be uh be able to be there and, and watch is uh it, it I, great and great exposure that's what it's all about yeah and you know, going back to, you know, our, our boys up at TSR, I, I made a little trip up there and, and saw Brendan nice, uh, at, at the shop, uh, at the store, and um, got some sticks for Rye Guy. And, I mean, I, it's just unbelievable. Like, he broke one already. I mean, these, uh, these things are just, like, so, I don't know. They're just not built like the wooden sticks, like, back in the day. Or, like, those big, uh, you know, the Z Core bubble that I used to have with the, with the, the two-piece, where you're not breaking too many of those, but... Um, yeah, so he had to like you know fill out the form and you know it's thirty day warranty, right? So, yeah. But uh, getting up to TSR and seeing uh, seeing Brendan was great. He's a he's such a great guy. Yeah, that's funny. I was uh, I was up there. I, I I feel like Thanksgiving. Ever since Thanksgiving, it's just been like full. I, I feel like Thanksgiving was like last week, but there's been seven million things that have taken place between yeah. then and now, right? So uh i was up there you know around thanksgiving time and it was it's great to catch up with those guys and uh always a blast make sure that you hit up tsrhockey.com uh if you if you can't get to the score but if you do get to the store make sure you tell them the rink shrink sent you and uh they will they 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 really do they take good care of you especially now with the holiday season they get some great specials and great deals going on so I'm glad that uh, you were able to t- you take any you rip any shots in the uh, in the little shooting pit there. No, I I mean he you was going what? on uh, Facebook Live, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I had to get out of there. But it was gonna it was funny. It was about you know like what they have to offer and whatnot, and you know some different questions that you know people have written in or you know sent in. But um, you should have joined it. I know I I did have to get back. I went to the Bruins game that night. Yeah, um, with the the Cambridge Fire Boys. Oh, was, nice! Uh, yeah, so I was, you know, Mike Dwyer was was kind enough to extend the invite. So, like, they're the the top fundraiser um, for that Heroes Cup, and yep, they were gifted a a box for one of the games throughout the season. And so I joined up with them, and uh, we had a a great night, some some good laughs, you know. Oh, I'm sure. You know, they're, sure. They're very similar to a hockey locker room. You know, when yeah. you get those guys together, and um, so, so it was a lot of fun, and um. Yeah, so I ended up having to to bounce, but uh, yeah, he, he it was funny. He was going to be trying to weave in as many Christmas movie quotes as he could, but you know he didn't want to <laughs> not try and force it. And I'm like, I wish I wish I could have gone on and listened. But um, that's awesome, yeah. awesome. Uh, did you see the uh, the World Juniors? The you know Team USA they announced their preliminary rosters. It was a little bit surprising to see Cole Eisenman left off. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's a deep team, you know. Right. From you know, there's 16 forwards, 10 D right now. Yeah, three goalies, but um, 
yeah, there's some really good players on this on this squad. And, you know, that, that one-year-older situation, even though, you know, he's a great player, yeah, it, it would be interesting to find out, you know, what the decision-making process was like for, for that um, kind of setup. But, yeah, you go through. Well, in my, my mind, right, is so you, you have the BC guys. Um, like, they have a really, really strong, like, some high-end talent, right? And like yep. you said, like, he's a – that are, um, you know, that are older kids, right? That are that 05 birth year. And Iserman is an 06. He's still, you know, draft eligible. He's still at the under 18 team and everything. But, you know, maybe it's like, oh, we, you know, where do we fit him in in the lineup, right? You get the line of BC guys. You got all these other guys. I know they did take the the, the Hagen kid that's going to, um, to BC next year. But right. it's just interesting. And I feel like every year, um, you know, different things like that happen, right? And, you know, maybe maybe they just didn't trust, like, okay, like, what if, you know, what's Eisenman's role going to be like if he's, like, a, a you know, a fourth-line guy, right? Yeah. Like, maybe we need somebody to fill a role a little bit better. I'm sure exactly. when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, that's kind of what it comes down to, right, when you select Yeah, that's a good team. point. So he's, even though he's going to go, like, you know, in the top five, right? Like, yeah. And he's an unbelievable talent, like, when they're building the roster, especially with the ages and – um, you know, maturity levels and things like that of all of, of some of these kids. It's like, oh, we see him fill, you know, you know, somebody else filling that role in yeah. a better capacity, right? And maybe it shoots him in the foot. You never know. Well, the other, I mean, I'm sure he's extremely disappointed, but, you know, former guest Matt Boldy um, didn't make it his uh, first year there. And, yeah, you know, that he used it as motivation versus, you know, uh, the, you know, poor me type thing. So, former um, guest Keith Yandel was leading the entire Canadian Hockey League in scoring for def- uh, definitely defensemen, but maybe like even most of like the league in scoring, like was absolutely tearing it apart up in the queue and didn't get a look either. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And that was motivation. That w- use it as a motivator, exactly. Yeah. I think they went and watched my games instead. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they, were, they were watching me. And they're like, the Yandel guy. I don't know. Like, what, what's all the hype? Yeah, what's all the hype? He's doing all right. And they're like, no, no, you got to cross the border. He's up in, <laughs> he's up in New Brunswick. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so, no, I mean, it, it's an exciting time of year. Like, it's always fun to watch that tournament. Um, was able to play in it and it's just you know you're representing your country number one but with the development program in place is like such a feeder system yeah. you know they, they know these kids really well uh for a number of years and but they do have uh some some talent that deep uh, on the back end as well I, oh yeah I, I i when i did that um uh game from when i was at, at bc the yeah. uh it was the denver game but that kid um Zeev Booyam, mm-hmm. oh, no, he plays for Denver, right? So, yeah, yeah, he, uh, I really liked his game. You know, he's he's draft eligible this year as well. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, they're deep in all areas, and um, BC's well represented. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles are definitely well represented. And, obviously, BU's got a couple guys, and yeah. uh, obviously Hudson and uh, what's it, for, uh, Forrest? For the, I'm not looking at it, but it begins with an F. Right uh, with the D man, yeah, another BU guy. Uh, is it like Fortescue? Oh, that's BC. Oh, of course, it is. Yeah, I mean, whatever. The secret BC, BU. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get so difference. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's just a, a scene of you. Um <laughs> there's uh and then you get Celebrini and uh and and Wood from uh, Matthew Wood down at Yukon named to Canada's preliminary roster. So preliminary is a tough word for me. I struggle with that big time. Yeah. yeah. Just say the, the, the first crack at the roster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um first pass. Yeah. But they uh it, it it it's always great. I love the fact that you were able to play in that and talk about it. Um it's just such a you know, it's such a cool tournament, right? And um just like it it makes you know, holidays, all that stuff, getting through it all, uh, which are obviously a blast, even though Joanna called me the actually Joanna got me a Grinch t shirt. She wanted me to wear it on the podcast. I forgot <laughs> to grab it. Um, but then you get the world juniors to look forward to. So and I'm looking at it. Yeah, Drew Fortescue. Yeah, I butchered that. He's at BC. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, Whatever. It, it is fun. Not a transfer to something. You get these, all these, uh, you know, age-appropriate kids playing at such a high level and playing for their countries. It's just, a, it is a great brand of hockey and, you know, perfect timing too, you know, around the holidays, you know, Boxing Definitely. Day kicks it off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Franklin Sports is the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com. Today, you want to make the World Juniors when you – Get big and strong, right? It's going to help you if you get your uh, training tools through Franklin Sports. So make sure you hit them up. Yeah, make sure you go to franklinsports.com and get great uh, Christmas ideas, you know, stocking stuffers, nets, training tools. Absolutely. Make sure you check out their website for all the the goodies. All the goodies. Um, International ice hockey, right? um, The federation there is mandating neck guards, uh, which is, I think, good to see. You're seeing some, you know, it's it's interesting now watching the NHL games. You see some of those guys start to wear them. You know, all levels of competition in tournaments, including Olympics and world championships. So if, you know, you you get the NHLers in the Olympics and world championships – they're going to wear them. So, you know, obviously this is a reaction to the incident that happened, right? But, you know, I guess uh, if we can do our part, especially at the younger levels, get these kids um, to start wearing those neck guards. And and my kids have the neck guard shirts, right? TSR, you know, mm-hmm. you talked about Brendan and Mike and those guys earlier. But, you know, we went right up there. They had plenty in stock. Um, and it's like a dry fit shirt with a with a neck protector, more or less. That's how I would describe it. So. Yeah. It's good to see more and more people doing it, and um, you know the the IHF uh, taking more of a stance with this stuff. Yeah, and you know, like you said, you know, it's reactionary, and it's just so sad that you know something like that has to happen. But um, yeah, you just put put that in place, and you know, as kids come through, it's it's going to be you know just second nature to put that um, you know protective gear on and keep everyone safe. You know, because it is a fast moving game, and you don't want to. You can try to avoid injuries uh, with the right equipment, and you know those are very uh, unfortunate incidences when they do happen. So we try to avoid those. So good on them. All right? Have you been following this NBA like in-season tournament thing at all? No. Yeah, me neither. Oh, well, I mean, I, was, I know a little bit about it, but I haven't. I 
I was like even watching the Celtics game the other night, like turns it on. I'm like, why is the court this color? Right? Yeah, but like, and then it got me thinking, um, you know, and I guess it does like there's some money on the line. So guys are going a little bit harder mid season and stuff. I was just like wondering how it would work if it ever, they tried to do something like that in the NHL. Like could, could they That's a pretty good concept? I, I mean, overall, like you just kind of incentivize, you know, some, some better play at times, you know, like you right. know, the dog days of the season come up and you're like, oh, maybe I can make a couple extra bucks if I back check. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know? well, it's like another motivator, but it's, uh, I just don't know how it would work with the NHL. Like, could you do it? Because obviously, no, you couldn't do it though, right? Mm, I mean. Like, how are they splitting it up in terms of games? Like everyone, and, yeah, because yeah, everybody, like everybody can't play, play each other. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can go to the, the go to drawing the board up top. Yeah, we'll go to the drawing board and see. Can... It. <laughs> yeah, I um, ran a couple street hockey tournaments back in my day. Um, yeah. You know, I could get out the old cardboard paper and 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 choppy and see if we can get something down. Yeah, team <laughs> matchups and now it would be an interesting concept. I, I mean, I I haven't like I said, I haven't really followed it with the basketball, but yeah. Um, it's a good idea to kind of incentivize and kind of shake things up midseason, which is nice. Right. No, it's good stuff. Um, what about the NHL draft 24-25 uh, NHL entry draft that just was announced that the Las Vegas Sphere, Sphere is going to be the host June 28th and 29th. Uh, unbelievable venue out in Vegas that, uh, you know, I, I didn't think the draft could do much better than – uh, Nashville last summer, but I guess that sphere that's going to be a pretty cool venue. Yeah, great destination to, you know, it's a, a really cool spot to gather no matter what, but, you know, to have the hockey, uh, the NHL draft there and, you know, they'll, they'll be, you know, putting on a show like they always do out there. So it would be a, it would be a nice uh, little trip from the uh, rink drinks possibly. You know? I, I would, that's what I was thinking. Like we should probably head out there uh let the wives know business trip you know we get <laughs> we we have to get out there and just get some content get some interviews um yeah i think it it, it makes sense let's book the tickets all right done <laughs> let's book the tickets i think uh i, I think we, we we have to do it bring the clubs bring the clubs absolutely we could uh we could bang it out for sure that would be uh that would be good stuff Really, really good stuff. Um, I failed to mention we got Corey Schneider coming on, which is uh, really, really exciting. But before we get to the interview with him, Mots, let's talk about the Colony Grill, right? One of the hottest things about traveling the youth hockey tournaments is figuring out where you're going to eat, right? But we all know it is a no-brainer, right? Colony Grills is famous, uh, is home to the famous hot oil pizza and the one-of-a-kind razor-thin crust it's comfortable friendly and it's just a it's a hockey bar like at the end of the day it's a hockey bar if you're heading down 95 uh in the connecticut or westchester area or if you're in maryland virginia or florida there is a colony grill close by bring the team order it to the hotel right pick up a steaming hot pie on your way to the ice you'll agree colony grill lives up to that hot oil hype um Find the nearest location at colonygrill.com. I heard from a couple people I know that uh, the Junior Eagles, I forget what age group, and, oh, God, what was the other group? 
I think mass con, but a couple people hit me up online and were like, dude, we took the teams to Colony Grill this past weekend. It was a blast. Like, thanks for the recommendation. Everybody was fired up. They were down in Stanford playing games and uh, everybody they're like knocked it out of the park. So awesome partnership we have with the guys at Colony Grill. That hot oil hype, right? The hype. Yep. I actually was talking about it yesterday, <clears throat> I was, or today. I was with uh, a buddy of mine who I, I work with, and he was um, he had property down in, in like New Haven area, but he was always talking about modern pizza or Pepe's, and I was like, yeah, you yeah. got to get to the Colony Grill. The hot oil hype is for real, kid. Exactly. So he's going to be checking it out as well, um, but we got to make a trip down. Oh, yeah. No, that's coming. Uh, We talked to Ken. I actually talked to Ken over the weekend, and uh, we're going to set something up. We're going to get down there really soon, which I'm really excited about. So good stuff. Uh, I think, speaking of Colony Grill, right, Corey Schneider, where does he live? Where is he living now? Do you know? Yeah, he's down in uh, Fairfield. Fairfield, yeah. 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 And what did we say to him when we interviewed him? Yeah, we got to. Go no, no, no. I, 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 I said to him before. I'm like, oh, you're in, you're in Fairfield. He goes, yeah. I'm like, what's your number one pizza place? Colony Grill. Yeah. Right. So he knew it. Uh, called it out right away. So it's hilarious that uh, you know that he's living there and and everything. So uh, I think it's time we bring on Corey Schneider. Uh, great interview with him, Mots. Didn't you? Didn't you think he's uh, he's a great guy? He's a great guy. He was a great player. Got um, you know, he had a lot to give. He's you know, he's smart, a smart kid. That he was on the NHL Network. Uh, yes, today I believe it was, and you know, he yep. did a great job. He can kind of communicate what you know, um, you know, what was important for him at the goaltending position, which we have no clue about. So it was, it was really good to have him on and have him share some stories. Uh, so hope you enjoyed the interview with Corey Schneider. <laughs> Our next guest on the Ring Shrinks podcast, a veteran of 410 career NHL games, played with the Canucks, Devils, and Islanders, 171 wins with a 9-1-8 save percentage. Drafted 26th overall by the Canucks in the 2004 entry draft. Please welcome to the podcast, Corey Schneider. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? I, I should say, you know, an ex-Eagle as well, you know, because we have that secret handshake. Yeah, you had the to get Boston it in. College. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> had to get it in. You guys must be all puffing your chest high and mighty right now with the way the Eagles have been playing, the way these young kids have kicked off. And that that young goalie, what's his name? Fowler? Fowler, yeah. Is he a player? That kid's legit. Yeah. He's, I, he's I lose re- track of all the BC boys, so which ones there these days. You know, they're all so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, tough to keep track of them. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, he's a legacy. Florida kid drafted by Montreal. Our, our boy Billy Ryan. Uh, yeah, he was, stole him in like the second round or something, right? Yeah, I, I, maybe even later. Like he's yeah. just like, hey, he stops the puck. You know, he, he's he, he's a he's a goaltender that has a short memory, like you uh, you need to have, and uh, he he stops the puck. And the Eagles are back on track. They have some good players, and but it's awesome to have you on, my man. I appreciate you taking the time. You got to Even in the intro here, you didn't uh, like the pride of Marblehead, Massachusetts. You don't, <laughs> like, you don't meet many guys that are from Marblehead. Like, it's more, is it more of a vacation spot? Like, I, don't, I can't say it is. I'm, I'm more of a South Shore guy. I don't think I've ever been to Marblehead. Yeah. 
Never been. I used to, I mean, not a lot of North shore guys, you know, the South shore was the hockey factory in Boston growing up. I felt like I needed a passport to go down there to play because I didn't know anybody. <laughs> you guys all knew each other. It was like literally going to a different world. But uh, yeah, Marblehead, uh, Marblehead's interesting. You know, it's got the history, the birthplace, of the American Navy, no deal. Um, wow. But yeah, you, you get, you get your like towny lobster fishermen. So it's got that like blue collar quality to it. And then you yeah. got the people, a lot of money live on the water. It's a, it's a bit of a mixture. So yeah, a lot of characters there, but yeah, I grew up, uh, my mom and dad are from Delaware and California, respectively. So I didn't get the accent quite as you guys did, but I can, you know, I can slide in and out of if I need to. I've been around enough of you guys to figure it out. Right. You yeah. can fake it. And you, and you <laughs> yeah, stop right. the puck enough real quick for everybody to figure out your name, North Shore, <laughs> South Shore, and, and all that's over right. the United States. That's for damn sure. That's right. And by the, the way, I, Marblehead. Yeah, I, I grew up playing with um, Ethan Doyle, uh, Doyle Seals yeah. out of Marblehead. Yep. That's and, right. The Doyle family was legendary. Yeah, so Ethan and I are the same age, and he went to Princeton and played. Um, yep, that's you know, right. down there, but you know, a really, really good player. Like, you know, uh, kind of on the smaller side uh, when we were coming through, but like very smart and whatnot. But like, I've only spent a couple times in Marblehead, and it's a beautiful area. And just, uh, to, just you know, as far as you know, getting out there, it's it's tough to get to. By the way. The Ducks are the North Shore mods. Yeah, okay. North that's right. <laughs> that's right. A lot of similarity. It's hard to get. Once you're there, it's great. But that's the only downside is it's uh, it's a lot harder to get there. I had a bunch of boys up in college from BC to do a boat day up there, and they loved it. But they're like, we're never coming back here. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, all right. That's a sleepover. All right. Yeah, well, get, let's uh, let's get into it. Obviously, you said your parents, uh, you know, I, I forget where you exactly just said they were, but you, you were um, – you you had a dual passport, right? So you from was right. your father from Switzerland? Switzerland, yeah. His uh, his grandfather emigrated way back in the day and uh, came okay. to Manhattan. So that's where our family came from. So they have some very Swiss rule where you can give it on the main side. You can just pass down citizenship. So wow, uh, nice. my dad my dad filled it out for me without me knowing when I turned eighteen and the lockout happened in twelve thirteen. He was like, "You uh, just need to sign this paper and you can have your citizenship." And I was like. Hell yeah! So oh, wow. I, uh, I booked it. I booked it over Switzerland for about six weeks in the lockout and didn't count as an import. It was a fun, uh, a fun experience and good thing to have in your back pocket with the way the world is these days. You know, if I need to escape to the, the <laughs> mountains and the safety, the Swiss bank accounts, I can just peace out and see you guys later. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, that's the exit plan. That's the strategy these days. Yeah. Hey, that, that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Well, Snides, talk yeah. to us about getting involved in hockey. Like, go, growing up uh, in Marblehead, like, how did you first start out playing the game? Yeah, I mean, like you guys, you know, I grew up Bruins fan. That was like the Ray Bohr, Camille era. Um, yeah. They didn't have those stud goalies back then. They kind of circled through, like, Andy Moog, Lemlin, and those guys, Johnny Graham. Yeah. Uh, he could go on about the random Bruins goalies. But, uh, yeah, my dad, like I said, he was from Delaware. He went to Cornell when Kenny Dryden, so he got into hockey, but he wasn't a hockey player. And my mom wasn't big into hockey either, but uh, my brother got, I have an older brother who's a few years older than me and he got sucked into it at a young age. So I just basically did what he did. And uh, he was a forward. So he obviously stuck me in net and just fired tennis balls <laughs> in my face in the kitchen. So I think that's probably where I got the idea of being a goalie. Plus I hated skating. It was hard. I didn't get off sides like when I was little. So I was like, you know what, let's just simplify this and stand in one spot. So uh, yeah, but he's like, Mark doesn't have a ton of, it's not a big hockey town. Um, you know, we practiced Salem state. Like we didn't have our own rink, but I just loved it. I love the gear. I love putting the pad on every chance. Yeah. You know, I used to cycle through the team. Everyone got to play goalie once. And anytime anyone bailed or didn't want to do it, I was like, put me in. So um, yeah, you know, I just grew up there and, and uh, once I got exposed to the rest of the world, like you guys in the South shore and realized how 
good everybody else was. I had to <laughs> I had to go to prep school. I went to Marblehead High School my freshman year, which is not, as you know, uh, they're not in the uh, what's it called, the Super Eight every year. Um, <laughs> you know, they're not vying for state championships. So I realized quickly all oh, you guys were going to prep school. So I had to make a move. So I transferred to Phillips Andover, and again, not a not a huge program at the time. They pumped out a few guys though, Kreider and uh, uh, Garnett Hathaway and. Yeah. Bobby Farnham all came from Andover now, which is kind of funny because it definitely was not a hockey school when I got there. Was Don um, yeah, Sweeney there of, when you were there? He had just left. I think he was like the admissions officer my first year there. Um, so I met him briefly during the process, but he was gone pretty quickly, so I didn't I didn't really cross paths with him. But that was yeah, good 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 pull there, Mots. That's a good, <laughs> yeah, pull there, Mots. A good reference. But uh, yeah, I mean, we weren't that good starts. So a lot of action, a lot of rubber, and played well, and you know, caught the eyes from schools, and you know met Jerry York in Boston college and the rest is history. So yeah, not an orthodox path, uh, path, you know, I didn't go juniors, didn't do the national program, never got invited actually, which probably worked out for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just kind of just kept plugging away and just made it happen. So I don't know if many kids can go that route these days anymore. I feel like it's a lot more manufactured and contrived and you got to do all the right things and play all the place to get noticed. But back then it was just kind of, you just played and played well at the right times and you got found. So pretty fortunate to have that. That's great stuff. Was there one like, you know, person that had a big influence on your kind of development and like at an early impressionable age, like, uh, you know, cause like goalies are weird, right? Yeah. We'll just be honest. <laughs> no, but like, you know, like yeah. technique, technique wise, like movement in the crease, like, like stuff that, you know, our goalie coach that, you know, all these kids have like specialized coaches now at times, but was there someone that kind of like pulled you aside and was like, Hey, you know, and like, I see something in you and like, in kind of work with you yeah it's funny you ask that because uh, there's definitely one for my youth and then one when i turned actually two when i turned pro pretty lucky but uh i don't know if you know the name brian decord he was with the bruins for oh, a bit yeah. in the early 2000s yeah dak and he runs stop at goaltending now but um my coach at Andover with him so i got hooked up with him in high school there when i was like 16 or 14 or something um and i've basically trained with dak ever since the last 20 plus years of my career he really helped me <clears throat> kind of harness the raw <laughs> the raw component of my games because I was a little all over the place but had the natural ability. So he was able to teach me some technique and some uh, fundamentals, which I think really helped me a lot. And like I said, I went back to him every summer, trained with him. That's funny. Now his son Joey's playing for the Seattle Kraken. Right. Yeah. And when I started training with Brian, Joey was like five years old, filling water bottles, <laughs> like zipping around the arena. So it's so funny to see him uh, grow up and be in the league now, which makes me feel even older. But uh, yeah, so Brian was huge for me at a young age. And then once I turned pro, um, Ian Clark, as you guys may you know, probably have heard of him, in van um you know i went to see him back back in the day when they uh told you to go see the coach when you're in college still you technically weren't allowed to go because the rules but they're like you should go see in for a couple of days and pay your way out there and i was like Son. and uh i don't think we had a puck on the ice for three days of sessions it was literally just power skating and technique mm-hmm. and pushes and but it you know i never forgot it uh it really helped me and then when after ian left i had Rolly melanson who had been in montreal with price and halak and uh, he was kind of the final part of my game. He took me to play more in the blue ice because I was all over the place, a little in and out and kind of the old school, you know, working way too hard to make simple saves. So he sort of taught me to just keep my feet in the blue ice, trust your angles and your puck tracking, and the game will be a lot easier. And sure enough, it was. So um, those three guys stick out in my head just in terms of my development and who all taught me different, but all crucial components to my my game. Because, again, you can't you can't get there if you don't take some coaching and advice and, and learning. So I think uh, you got to be open to coaching now. I know you guys have done some coaching too, so I'm sure it's probably frustrating for kids to listen to you. I think they know everything, so you got to have an open mind and just know what you don't know. 
Yeah, well, it's unbelievable because you talk to so many um, so many people, and I, I would say goalie parents, right? And I've coached my, my boys all the way up here. And, and uh, you know, it's like, oh, they just need to see shots and this and that. And it's like, well, the skating aspect of it is so important, right? And it's like, no, they don't need to do that stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, what do I know? Like every goalie that we've had on the show over and over again kind of talks about like – you know, there was that one point in their life where they were like, yeah, we had a coach that just skated us and skated us and it helped us get to that, you know, whatever that next level is. Right. So uh, it, it, I love hearing that type of stuff because it's just ammo in the back pocket, I think, for us as coaches. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember even my dad, when he didn't know a whole lot about hockey, he was that the goal has got to be the best skater on the team. That yeah. yeah. you know, well, was the Ken Dryden. Yeah. That was. That That's was right. that Ken Dryden, Patrick Ruah. Like that was, I think that Marty was. Marty Brodeur. Yeah, my yeah, my, my father used to say that. My father used to say that to goalies, um, you know, from literally the 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 second we started playing hockey, right? It was it was the same thing. Like goalies got to be yeah. the best skater on the ice. Yeah, I mean, in terms of agility and balance and control, you got to have it. So, I, you know, I used to jump in all the lines with those guys doing the circles on like your outside edges and inside edges and yeah. getting low and trying to trying to do all of it in your gear. It's good. It's it's, it's great practice. And, um, you know, as you get older, obviously, guys are incredible skaters. So you're not keeping up with them. But uh, to learn the more technical side of it, like I said, we'll turn your feet and stay on your feet and hold your edges and not go down too soon. It's all it takes the like you said, it's all being a good skater. So um different kind of skating but but skating nonetheless so yeah fortunate that i had people kind of beat that in my brain and you know i wasn't the best skater but i was good enough apparently <laughs> so schneids i was pretty much like a mid-season black ace you know and so i worked with the goalies a lot and i always <laughs> like to talk about you know like what to your point about being in the blue crease you know in the blue paint and you know the net's not moving this is what i talked to like when i was coaching this uh one kid he's very athletic big kid and I'm like, the net's not moving. You have to know your angles and understand mm -hmm. that you can make your job a lot easier if you just yeah. understand that, right? So, uh, you know, so I was doing like the, the shooting drills and stuff with the uh, the goalie coach, you know. Yep. So, you know, could you talk about like that a little bit in more detail about, you know, kind of like the movements in the blue paint and exactly what um, kind of made you successful later in your career when you kind of realized that? Yeah, it's, you know, when you're younger and you're more aggressive, you know, when the rush is coming at you, you want to, you, they taught you to be three, four feet outside your crease on just a normal rush. And so I got away with it for a little while, but then you get to the NHL or the best levels and these guys can zip the puck around or make lateral plays that you're not used to. So I remember first time I called up in Vancouver, like it was the hardest practice of my life because I was like going side to side on like basic entry drills and just working way too hard. And um, the year I was going to be the full-time backup. So my rookie, my first full year as a rookie, they brought Roland Lanson in and he showed me videos of Halak and Price and how quiet they are. They're just, you know, cruising around the crease, getting on their spots. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta learn this because it's going to, you're just going to get picked apart. You're going to get passed around. And so that preseason, I think we played Edmonton back when they had all those young guys when Halsey and Everly, mm -hmm. and they were all like kind of rookies and younger guys. And uh, we got lit. I got lit up like eight two. Just got just got roasted trying to play the way I played. And really sat me down. He's like, "So you ready to you ready to learn yeah. to pay attention and do what I'm telling you?" I was like, "Fine, fine." And then uh, we had one more game against uh, San Jose in the preseason. But they had Healy and Thornton and you know Chloe. Like yeah. they were a good team even for the last preseason game. You know, you get your squad ready. And uh, I just literally just tried to turn my feet and stay in the crease. And pucks just started hitting me. And I was like, "Oh, damn! This this actually works." Wow. It's, 
it's more complicated than that. You got to be able to see the puck better. I think part of it's because you play further out if you're not trusting your eyes and tracking pucks, because then it's a better chance it's going to hit you the further out you are. So as you back in, you just got to be able to see the puck and track it better into your body to make sure you're going to get it or making those saves. But the whole idea is that it, it's you want to have your angle before your depth. So if you can get on your angle, at least you give yourself, Mons, as you said, the net's four by six. It's not changing size. If you get into that angle, you could be on your goal line, but you still give yourself a chance because you're square. You know, you, you're taking away most of the net, um, you know, because if you're if you get if you come up short and you don't get to your angle and then you attack, you're still off your angle. You give up one side of the net. So I think the whole the whole thought process is come come through the middle of your crease, like kind of take that big T push. I, I used to T push a lot, which for people who don't know, it's kind of you open up one foot and you push on it that way as opposed to shuffling where your blades stay you know, facing up ice and I hated shuffling. It just was hard. So I found P pushing was easier, but what it did was allowed me to reset my angle every time I moved. Cause when you do, you open your hips and you get square to the shot. So I think uh, learning that idea of angle before your depth, and if you can get depth afterward, that's great, but make sure you get to your angle and then you, you know, live to fight another day. So I think that's kind of the basic idea of what you're talking about, Mots. And um, you know, the goal is these days now is six, four, six, five, they don't need right. to be that far than that. Like they're massive right. and they're, they're quick and they can get everywhere. So you just got to give yourself a chance because you're, you're too far out, you get lost and you get passed around and guys are just going to pick you apart. So, um, I think it's a good way to play the game. It's can, it's gotten harder every year. It seems like to play goalie, but, um, maybe I'm getting out the right time before all these, these guys start <laughs> lighting up the league. It's like, Jesus. Ah, <clears throat> uh, that was a great question. Mots and a great answer. Jeez. I'm like, yeah enlightened right now <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that extra shooting man yeah yeah, yeah. 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 the light bulbs going off in your head yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was that was great stuff um <laughs> all right let's dumb it down a little bit okay. um <laughs> no but you you talked about kind of like I know you had a little cup of coffee like playing with the USA team and I can remember there was a picture down my basement of you my brother yeah. it was like danny mcgoff um it was a bunch it was probably like oh three oh four usa team and you Pretty guys went, you guys went so, like overseas so it was, it was yeah. it like a misfit team it was like you guys that yeah. all didn't make the the development program but they like gave you like fake jerseys they, they, they said like <laughs> they said like hendrix on them it was like it was like mighty yeah. ducks too it basically was like you know? practice jersey, like the thin yeah. practice jersey they material. Bombay, Bombay, yeah. Was like yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were yeah, the, they definitely were the old jerseys. They were. That's a that's a good call because uh, yeah, it was back when you did those festivals. Remember, you did the fifteen festival, yes. the sixteen festival. So I think it was the seventeen festival was like the last year they do it, and they already yeah. have the national team pick. So those program guys don't do that festival. So right. basically, they select they select a team of all stars from that festival to go play in like the under eighteen World Cup, which is kind of like. The world championships to the olympics you know it's sort of like the diet version um so we went we went to pishtani slovakia and yeah keith was on that team al berry uh we had a bunch yeah. of boston bunch of boston idiots uh yeah. but it was a you know it was a mis mismatch of michigan minnesota new york guys and so nobody really expected a whole lot out of us and uh we ended up we ended up winning the whole thing i think we played russia in the finals and they had malkin when he was 17 like they had a good team you know they had some players right. and um, yeah, we, we kind of shocked the world and won that one. Didn't count as much as like the under 18, the big one or the world juniors, but, uh, yeah, I still, I remember, I think I remember, I think I have that picture with me and your brother <laughs> kind of like yeah. hugging it out after we won or something. Um, so yeah, yeah that was, was, that was uh, it, it literally yeah. just popped into my head. It was like, yeah. it was, it was yeah. you know, USA photos. I mean, it was, it was oh, really yeah. cool. And obviously I remember, where, yeah. was it Finland or something? Is that it was said? Slovakia. 
Yeah, Slovakia. Oh, okay. So I, yeah. I, it was my yeah. first international experience, my first time playing for like Team USA and going overseas. So it was a big deal. You know, my parents oh. came and drank all the beer and uh, <laughs> it was, but no, it was, it was a blast. My, so my brother had never my been to, career. my brother had never been to New Hampshire at that point. And he left the country other than tournaments in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Uh, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. No, that's, that's good stuff. But that, like, so you being, you know, and, and I guess that kind of led me to not being that highly touted. And I remember you playing at Andover, right? Cause I remember the Cushing yeah. Andover days and I remember going, you know, coming down from UNH and, and, and watching you guys play and you absolutely were, were, were incredible. Right. But you still maybe didn't get that national recognition compared to some other guys. What was that decision-making process going to, to BC or like, was there, was there other big suitors out there or was it just like, you know, oh, I met Yorkie and kind of loved it. I want to go where Mott's went. <laughs> Have you heard of Mike Motto? That was their pitch to yeah, um, Exactly. <laughs> no, it was a combination of things. I think the, the great thing about going to Phillips Andover was that it was such a good school. It gave you basically every school that recruited you was like, you know, we can we can go after this kid. So, I, you know, I talked to Harvard and Cornell and Yale a little bit. And then mm -hmm. BCBU were some of the bigger ones from the East. Um didn't really hear much from the West. I don't know if you guys had that too. As a Boston kid, you really didn't hear much from the Western schools because they probably figured Mott's, they were coming. Mott's was the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I sure mean, as hell, I sure as hell wasn't. Capital S stud coming out of high school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like like you said, I was a bit of an unknown and playing prep school. You play 20, 25 games, so teams can't really get a good read on you. But I started playing some of those tournaments, like the Beantown Classic had just started that year. I think it was like yep. the first year they did it to compete with Hockey Night in Boston. And I think I won the MVP that year between my sophomore and junior years. And then Played well at the Chowder Cup, you know, all these yeah. Boston tournaments. So I think locally I, I kind of got on the radar and uh, I had a really good start to my junior year. And uh, it's was, it was funny because my father went to, like I said, he went to Cornell and then went to Harvard Business School. So he was, uh, you know, I, my final three were basically Harvard, Cornell, and BC. And, wow. um, you know, I, I just, I think at that time Harvard wasn't as good as they are now. Like they were sort of middling. Mm -hmm. And Cornell was just kind of in the middle of nowhere to me. And, had all those goalies who like the Lenevues and the McKees who put up great numbers, but they saw like 10 shots a night. Cause they had Doug Murray and yeah. Stephen Bobby, whatever yeah. his name was back there just yep. crushing people. So I was kind of like, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. You know, I don't, know if that's the best place for my development. And then, uh, for being me, BC, like you guys are just, you won a national championship recently in frozen fours. You played in, uh, you know, the bean pot, like hockey East to me was a bigger draw and BU had BU kicked the tires, but they didn't really show a ton of interest. I don't think they had somebody else lined up. So I kind of, I wasn't really in the mix for them, but um, yeah, you know, when I did my visits there, I visited Harvard and Cornell and it, it felt like an extension of prep school to me a little bit, which I didn't love at the time. So it's kind of like, you know what, BC seems like it's a little more fun, a little more, um, you know, division one programs, football, basketball. So I think it had a bit of that bigger school feel in Boston, which you don't really get. So to yeah. me, it was, you know, I, I was pretty comfortable going there. So my dad was not choked because he was like, all right, you're passing up on Cornell and Harvard. You realize that, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, all right, fine. Just do well in school if you go to BC. I was like, all right, deal. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, again, it ended up working out great. It was awesome. Had a great experience, made great people, played some big games, which I think really helped me just going to the next level. Um, but yeah, you know, I have no regrets at all about that decision as nobody who do you, does. Yeah. Who did you uh, stay with on your recruiting trip? The, the one on uh, Nolan Havern. Nettie did my unofficial visits. You know, you could do like an unofficial visit. So it's like a junior yeah. in high school. And the only time I could come was during like finals week at BC. And Nettie yeah. tells me the story where uh, Cav, you know, Mike Cavanaugh kind of leaned in and was like, hey, Nettie, we could really use this kid. So like, do what you got to do. You <laughs> <know>? <laughs> so, <laughs> Nettie, 
that he uh, he he brought his A game. Let's put it that way. So uh, <laughs> you know, so that was a lot of fun. And then he always has back, his A game, though. He yeah. always has. His, yeah, he introduced yeah. me to New Hong Kong, and I was never the same. Um, <laughs> best Chinese food going. And then my yeah, official right, visit yeah. when I I think I'd already committed then, and I still did an official visit. I stayed with uh, Big Brad Boyle, and uh, yeah, I think Boyle had me that time. Nice. So I I got to have us in rogues with them on the visit. It was him, Andrew Alberts, and Adam Pino, like the three biggest people alive. Yeah, they, like had a had a chugging contest. I'm like, I've never chugged a beer in my life. <laughs> These three just <laughs> down down the hatch, and I'm sitting like sipping it. Like, oh, I got a lot of work to do. Sorry, sorry, I can't swear. I was like, oh shit, I got a lot of work to do before I get here. So that was eye opening for me. Yeah, those beers look like ponies in in, in yeah. prize. Yeah, in boiled. That's right. Exactly. Just and Pino, Pino and Andrew Albert's a monsters too. But They're like big you guys said, too. Yeah. I love how of all the characters, it's like you got to go to Nettie. Like, yeah, no. Nettie, I, I know you got an 8 a.m. final tomorrow. Yep. But uh, oh, yeah. we can sacrifice uh, you, you barely pass in this class if you get And he, get, he gives Cav the wink in the night. He goes, say no more. You know, he's like, I got him. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was kind of an interesting process, but uh, it was fun. It was fun nonetheless. That's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, when we were coming through, we needed a goalie and Scott Clemenson was, you know, kind of prior to, you know, you know, you coming through, but we needed a goalie. And I'm like, I, I gave up my bed. The only recruit I ever gave up, gave up my bed for was Scott Clemenson. I slept on the, yeah, and he's the best. It was worth you know? it, man. Clemenson's uh, awesome. I had him in Jersey and uh, he, he, I played with him one year and then he was like the director of goalie development and stuff. So yeah. he was I, not, not many better people than Clemenson. So you made the right call there. Yeah, that's a true yeah. defenseman, though. Only only defenseman would give up the bet for goalie. So I appreciate you guys. <laughs> Definitely we, we, not a selfish forward. No, no. like there's not no. a chance that a forward would do that. No, but we uh, went to the ground round and like, I think was like <laughs> <laughs> we, remember those cinnamon dippers? Those things were sweet. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, those things are right. Grab the cinnamon dippers, popcorn, and he <laughs> he stole a, a a mug out of there, and I'm like, you know, he still has it to this day, which is unbelievable. <laughs> That's like, great. <laughs> like Memento a, from the best trip ever. Right. But, uh, yeah, I played with him in Jersey and in Florida and one of the uh, best teammates that yeah. I could say. And like, great guy. And it's interesting, like, when you're able to play uh, pro with, you know, one of your, say, former teammates in college and, you know, a friend. Mm. You know, like, that's yeah. it's, it's sweet. But, yeah, but Clemmer uh, <laughs> was, uh, you know, like, I understand Nettie rolling out the red carpet for you. You know, like, I, yeah. I didn't yeah, roll yeah. out a red carpet, but, like, I definitely <laughs> – Woke up with a sore neck on my, you know, you know, little love seat couch that I uh, had yeah. to sleep on. Hospitality. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. Um, well, talk to us about that. Like that, obviously, go, you you go to BC and everything. But what was the draft process like for you? Obviously, being a first round pick, and you know, you knowing that era, right? It was like you, El, El Montoya. What did he yeah. go like in six? He was like, yeah, he was, yeah, like, yeah, he was the top yeah. ten of the Rangers, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it was, but being it like was, one of those yeah. from kind of like the non-national development guy to now like, oh, I'm maybe considered going in the first round here. Yeah, it was pretty wild like wild. I think just how quickly everything happened. Like I said, I transferred to Andover as a sophomore, played that year, and then from I would say that summer of like two thousand two to the summer of two thousand four where I got drafted, like those two mm -hmm. years I could never have you know, predicted how quickly things would just move with, you know, committing to BC on a full scholarship, getting drafted the first round. Like it never even crossed my mind when I left Marlott high school for Phillips Andover, that, that would even be in the realm of possibility. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, part of it was, you know, like we talked about, I, I never got invited to the national program, but when they went to go play their under 18, the big tournament before the draft in April there, uh, either both their goalies were hurt or they didn't like them or they weren't playing well. So they kind of came calling and said, hey, would you want to come play with us in the under 18 tournament? And I was like, hell yeah. I think part yeah. of the knock on me, as you said, was like prep school, it's you're seeing 20 games, 25 games, competition's not great. So teams are sort of like, all right, how good is he really? Um, and that was back when guys actually, teams actually drafted goalies. <laughs> like I think right. in recall, I think we had six goalies taking the first 39 picks of that draft, which is like unheard of now. Right. So I think wow. that, that worked in my favor too. But um, yeah, so, you know, I went over this under 18 tournament with a lot to prove and um, the 86 age group wasn't great. You know, like your brother was a part of that, but he didn't play for the program. So he wasn't there. A lot of the good 86s that came out never actually played for the program. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we had like Kevin Porter. We had a couple of kids who ended up playing, but they actually had to yeah, bring up a Michi bunch of Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they had to bring up a bunch of 87s from the younger age group to like supplement us. Like the, you know, Nate Gerby, Jack Johnson, Phil Kessel, yeah. uh, Jack Skilly. Like these kids were studs. And I yeah. think they legit were worried that the 86s were going to get relegated. <laughs> the 87s wouldn't be able to go because they were loaded. So they brought us some help. Um, and we kind of shot, you know, we, I played well and, uh, we sort of snuck our way in the finals and we lost to Russia in the finals again, but they had, you know, Malkin again and, um, Anton Hadobin who had a good career. So they actually, oh, yeah. had, we lost like two to one in the finals, but I think the fact that we got to that game and I played well along the way, um, really helped me a lot in the draft. Cause again, I, I wasn't sure I kept hearing late first, early second. Um, and I'm not sure what experience you guys have with the draft process, but you know, you interview with a bunch of teams. Like I interviewed probably 20 teams. And Vancouver wasn't one of them. They were one of the teams that didn't even talk to me. So I never, I had no idea that they were interested. Um, funny sidebar about that is like going into the draft, me and Blake Wheeler were like the two high school kids. You know, he was Minnesota. I was Boston. Yeah. You know, we like hated each other. You know, like indirectly, I didn't hate him. But, you know, Boston guys hate Minnesota yeah. guys. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh, he was same thing, like late first, early second, projected, whatever. And I kind of kept hearing about this Blake Wheeler. Like Blake Wheeler was like 100 points in high school. It's like, oh, come on. You know, like can't be that hard. So going into the draft, I was like, as long as I go ahead of this Blake Wheeler kid, like I'll be happy. I don't care where I go. And then sure yeah. enough, Phoenix went off the board at five and took Blake Wheeler. <laughs> they took him at like, five. If I remember <laughs> yeah. that pick. I was like, uh oh, That's, I don't think I'm going four. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that kind of threw everything into chaos because they they thought they thought Phoenix was going to take Montoya. They thought they were going to take Al at five, and the Rangers yeah. had six and twenty four that year. And I met with the Rangers a lot. You know, um, I remember the old guy who used to come to the Hingham League all the time. Who oh, scouted. a crockpot. Paul Crocker, uh, no, yeah, no, Bob Crocker, Bob Crocker, Bob yeah. Crocker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, was he was checking greatest. in on me all the time, and like, you know, kind of hinting that like, hey, if you know you're there at 24, we'd probably take you, kind of thing. But then Wheeler went five, and they took Montoya six. <laughs> I was like, well, there goes oh. that. So I was like, kind of. Hey, did he write you handwritten letters? Every year, almost they're like at I'm, the end, you know. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Great penmanship, by the way. Great penmanship. That's <laughs> that right, guy saw in memory. Bob Crocker saw more hockey games than I would oh, argue easily. anybody ever in like the history. Summer of league like, games, easily. Oh, he would be at everything. He's the only yeah. reason why I got drafted. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's but then he gave me confidence, like going into, you know, pro. At, like he was at our BC banquet our senior year. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like, right. he, he was best everywhere. In. He was. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. He really loved, loved the local he'd hockey be an, He'd be an alumni game six years later. The guy's <laughs> he, he just, was an animal. Just grinding. Just never never quit. But he's um, sweet, sweet out of a guy. And, you know, yeah. so like. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't take you at 24. Yeah. So I was getting a little nervous because, like, Dubnik went 14 to Edmonton. Another kid, this check kid, went 17 to Nashville. So I'm sort of running out of room here. I'm like, uh-oh. You're you like, know, this goddamn Blake Wheeler. Yeah. He must have been <laughs> yeah. talking about yeah. me. 
to this day. It turned out he's a decent player, so I don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, it yeah, didn't so work out of, in Phoenix, though. That was like no, the that was like wild. Yeah. That's yeah, right. That was, that's that was right. an off the board call. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they had the right guy. He just didn't want to play there. Um, right. But yeah, so like I said, I I just didn't know what to expect because I didn't know who's and you know you kind of want to go in the first round because it sounds better going <laughs> the second round. So selfishly, I was like hoping I get picked and. Uh, Sure enough, 25, Edmonton took that kid, Robbie Shrepp. I don't know if you remember him. He was, like, oh, hyped yeah. up. Talks so he must have had – Yeah, he must have had 50 people there. So, like, he goes 25, and it takes him 10 minutes to get down to the stage because he's, you know, shaking hands with everybody and hugging him and stuff. And then, like, they're still making commotion from him, and, like, quietly Vancouver announces, like, from Phillips Academy. And I'm like, is there anybody else here from Phillips Academy? <laughs> I'm looking around <laughs> like, wait, is that – is he talking about me? And sure enough, it was me. So it was just me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. And that was it. It took me about six seconds to give him an awkward <laughs> hug and sprint down to the stage. But uh, it was a pretty surreal feeling. You know, I think I recall I had a huge, like, huge pimple on my forehead in retrospect, like just a giant zapper. <laughs> so, like, that's that's there forever in all my pictures. Just a terrible suit, bad tie. Like, I look back and I'm like, oh, God. And it was on ESPN, too. That's back, like, when ESPN had the draft yes. and it was a lockout. And so it was a big deal. It was a lot of fun. But it was, like I said, just a bit of a whirlwind where I just didn't know what to expect. And, I'd never been through anything like that in my life. So, um, but you know, it's just the start, as you know, it doesn't really matter where you get drafted. Plenty of kids, you know, bust out it in the first round and kids are undrafted become players. So it was just the first step, but uh, you know, I was really lucky to go to Vancouver and start my career there. So that worked out pretty well. That's great. And like, and to, to be able to, you know, it, it's kind of difficult at times because like you see, you know, like you mentioned, you know, a, a guy by the name of Luongo signing like a big yeah. time you know, yeah. ticket and, so like going in, knowing like you, you're confident in your game and like you want to play, you know, you, there's only one net, right? And you got this Hall of Fame player in front of you, pretty much. That was it. A mindset where you had to be like, all right, you know what? I just I'm just gonna bide my time and support and work on my my game, even though I know it's not my net yet. I mean, because that, that, yeah. that's a kind of a tough thing to. And like, it's good for our listeners, like, you know, goalies who, you know, th- everyone wants the net, right? But ultimately, right. like, you might have to put in your time. And, and like, I, I I look back and watch you, and, like, you deserve the net at times, but you still, yeah. you know, he's still the number one. Sure. You know, early on in your career. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of far from my mind to start with because when I got drafted, they had they didn't have him. They had Cloutier and Alex Alden, and that summer of 06, they traded for Roberto. And I remember it was right after the lockout, so guys still weren't getting paid very much money because the cap was cut in half, whatever. And I remember they traded for him in the draft, and I texted my agent. I was like, hey, what, is, what does that mean for me? They just traded for Roberto like two years after they drafted me. And he's like, well, let's put it this way. At least goalies are making $6 million a year again. And I was like, that means nothing okay. to me. It's like he was, basically, <laughs> he was basically sugarcoating the idea that, like, you're screwed. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, but, I mean, you know, I, I went three years of college. So I knew, I knew it was going to take me some time, right? So I did one more year PC, left, or left after my junior year. And I knew I was going to need a few years. Um, so I think it was somewhere along the way that Roberto signed that huge ticket, that 12, 13 year contract. Um, so, you know, I, I was, I think when you're trying to make it, you're just so focused on like what's ahead of you that you don't think that far ahead. So I put in my three years in Manitoba, got a couple of call-ups here and there, you know, met him, worked with him. I knew the team had high hopes for me, but they were just kind of like, all right, well, we're not going to give up on Roberto. So we'll just see what happens with, with this other kid. And, um, I think it was my agent who helped me the most in that process because he kind of was very matter of fact about it. He's like, all right, well, look, you're going to, you know, be the backup this year. You're going to push him next year. And then the year after you're going to take the job and you're going to, you're going to run with it. I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you yeah. talking? I feel like in my head, I'm like, no, it's fucking Roberto Longo. He's like, watch, just go there and work hard and just learn from him and play well and 
forced me to make a decision. I said, all right. And it wasn't that easy, obviously. I, you know, put in a lot of work. And I, I think it actually helped me. I mean, it might have delayed the start of my career as a starter because I didn't really get in that until I was 26, 27, which is still pretty late even for a goalie. But um, I think playing those first couple of years with him really helped me because he worked his butt off. And, you know, mm-hmm. you play with a guy like Marty, um, guys, just those those guys who are really great, they have a different way about them. So I think for me, it was eye-opening. I came in as a rookie and I watched him work. I watched him train. I watched him prepare. And I was like, oh, geez, like I got another level that I have to get to if I even want to like sniff what this guy's doing. So, and he was great to me. I think uh, everyone kind of sees him now as his personality, sense of humor. Back then he was kind of maligned, like the media was all over him. Playing in Canada was tough. And I think he was a little combative with them. And I think he realized that he kind of had to play along with it and just sort of have fun with it in order to survive. So um, never felt like he didn't like me or didn't want me there, was threatened by me. So, I mean, we worked really well together and, you know, push each other when the Jennings our first year together and that's the year we made the cup finals. So uh, I think we had a, you know, a mutual respect for one another, obviously me for him. I had the guys freaking posters on my wall as a kid, but I think he quickly found that, you know, I was capable and they, it was for the first time in a few years, they've been able to actually give him breaks and rest him and not, you know, have to worry about what was going to happen if he didn't play. So I think he actually kind of didn't mind playing fewer games, not many fewer, but slightly right. fewer, not 78 instead of, you know, 60 right. instead of 72. But um, yeah, so I, I do think it, it was a beneficial thing. And then, it got to the point where they had to make a decision and, and um, you know, that's when I got traded. But um, <clears throat> like I said, I love my time there. I love working with him and be on those teams. So again, it's, it, it, you know, things work out the way they work out. You can't really control it. But at that time it was, I was just trying to learn and keep up with them and just try to be the guy. I remember I got called up one time before like my second year pro, I just wasn't ready at all. And I think it was like, William Mitchell just looked at me. He's like, you're not Roberto. <laughs> I was like, no, I am not. Not yet at least. So, <laughs> You know, part of it's just like earning the respect of the other guys in the room because they're used to a certain level behind them that if they look at you and they don't see that or don't feel that confidence, then they're not going to they're just not going to trust you. So I had to earn that trust and respect and just work hard every single day. And then, you know, when you get your chance, you got to take take advantage of it, make the most of it. And that's all I try to do. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think Roberto's a big part of that for me. Just get me to that point. Do you think that, you know, nowadays, um, you know, you see it twofold, right? Like we had a conversation with Jimmy Howard not too long ago, and he was similar path to you, right? Like go grind it out in the minors, couple call-ups yeah. here and there. Like, you know, I shouldn't say grind it out, but like be the guy in the in the minor leagues for like three years. And then, you know, you, you, you get up. And he was, I think, at the time when he got called up, another Hall of Famer, Mike Vernon, right? So, yeah. Um, but nowadays, right, just flipping it. So, you know, you see a kid like Devon Levi, right, coming out of, of Northeast and, and jumping right into being, you know, more or less the starter in Buffalo. Like, do you think, you know, hey, I guess if it works out, it works out, it works out unbelievable, right? But uh, do you really think that, that you know, those few years in the minor leagues were, were beneficial? I think so, for sure. And uh, quick sidebar, just local Tommy Barrasso getting back to the Hall of Fame guy left acting box for a high school, went straight yep. to the NHL, won the Rookie of the Year and the Vesna. <laughs> like, that to me is the – yeah. The craziest story that's never told in hockey. I know. Um, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I forgot about that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to that, to your point though, like, I don't know. I mean, you're ready when you're ready, but you know, I think the carry prices of the world are very few and far between kids who can step in at 20 and, yeah. and thrive or succeed. And even he had some bumps and he played in the minors a bit. You know, I played against him in Hamilton. Um, it's funny. I'm like a year and a half older than him. And I used to say I was a young carry price cause he got to the league way faster than I did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think it was huge. Like I said, I, my second year, um, I got called up for like six weeks, didn't play great. But in the minors, I had a great year. I won the, the goalie of the year award in the minors. We went to the Calder Cup finals, had a great year there. And so I think after that year, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to go. 
Like, what else do I have to prove? And then the next year, they brought in uh, Razor, Andrew Raycroft, yep. to compete with me in training camp, my third-year pro. And I was like, all right. And I played all right. Um, and he played pretty well, too, but he's a veteran guy. And, like, I didn't clearly outplay him. So they sent me back down. And I was kind of choked at the time. I was like, what the hell? You know, like, I've done everything yeah. I can. Like, what else do you want me to do? But, you know, I ended up going back. And our team wasn't as good the next year. Um, I played 60 games. You know, I think it was really good for me to get that workload, that starters workload on not a good team, as good a team. And we got in the playoffs, but got bumped in the first round. But it was, I think that was really beneficial to me to get that extra. I, that, I came into my rookie year pro in the NHL much more confident think, based off of that year. So, yeah, I mean, look, everyone's different. Some guy, even guy like Spencer Knight was like, can't miss. And, you know, he struggled a bit. Yeah. It's, it's natural. It's normal for goalies, man. It's, you just have to see repetitions over and over and over again. Um, so I think, you know, again, this Levi might be different. He might be unique. He might be great, but, uh, he's going to go through some hard times just like any goalie does. And, and, uh, you know, we'll see how he comes out of this year, but I always think it's not just goaltending, but any position, it's a lot easier to play really well in the American league and get rewarded with a call up than to start in the NHL and struggle and get demoted to the American league. Right. It's just very different feeling on your psyche and your confidence. So I don't understand unless you're again, your generational Sidney Crosby or Connor Bedard, Jack Hughes type guys, like, let them yeah. play a few games in the minors. Let them play 10 or 20. If they show they're that good and that great, then call them up. There's no big deal. Like, there's no rush, but everyone seems in a rush to get these young kids in the entry-level contracts and <laughs> save some dollars in the cap. So who knows? Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, I mean, I, I always have thought, and you know, maybe you know other people as well, but, like, you know, you kind of spoke to it earlier, but as a goaltender, like, you understand with, say, experience and getting those reps, like – these goalies sometimes can be more valuable when they're older, like when, when they when they see yeah. some more. So, like the movements in the crease, you know, like, like we were talking about. Do you feel that you know putting that time in, and then also like you know some maturity, like as age, like you're not chasing the puck. You said you chased it a little bit, but like not chasing the save versus just being like, yeah. hey, I'm just going to be square. I'm going to play to my my strengths and like you're, you're a big kid that you know on angle should be able to like soak you know some you know like you're a sponge right and you just soak it up <laughs> yeah. I, I love i love that stuff but um i always thought like goalies that you know mature later as players yeah i did do yeah. you agree with that i think so a thousand percent um and a little note sidebar, Nettie Haven used to call me Pac-Man in college. Just, you know, I'm, you know <laughs> just eating all the fucks. So every, when I see him to this day, he still goes, Pac-Man, how we doing? Like, what up, Pac-Man? Um, so, yeah, and to your point, like, I wasn't I, – I was an okay athlete. I'm not, like, an elite freak athlete. I mean, I got flexibility and all that and size, so that's helpful. But I'm Are you a backyard loser? What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, like can, can you, like, throw a spiral? What did you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are yeah, I played baseball through like senior yeah. year, you know. Yeah, so, like, I, so yeah, so I knew, you know, I knew my game was predicated on like angles and reads and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I think again, if you see a play ten times, you're like kind of guessing what's going to happen next. Like, all right, he's going to hit the trailer. He's going to go back door. Is he going to? Then you see it a thousand times. You're like, all right, I got a pretty good idea what's going to happen here based on his body language, who's coming, who's on yeah. the ice. So. I think you just learn how to kind of like a quarterback. Like the more you see a defense, you just learn how to break it down better. So for me as a goalie, just getting used to the pace, the skill level, the shots, it just takes time. And I think you just yeah. store it all in that mental database that you have. And then all of a sudden, instead of taking three seconds to process something, you take a half second to process it and you're not thinking anymore and you're just playing and reading, reacting. So, um, 
for me, like it's, it makes all the sense in the world that just the more you see, the more you can digest and the quicker you process and then you just play quicker. So um, yeah. I think when you see goalies struggle, they're, they're overthinking it. They're taking too long to process the play. They're taking too long to make their reads. And that's when you get caught behind. And like you said, chasing it a little bit, you start chasing the game. And as soon as you start chasing the game as a goalie, you're in trouble. You've got to kind of be ahead of it. Um, so when you're playing well, it's anticipation. When you're not playing well, it's called cheating. So it's just a fine line between those two things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting because, like, um, you know, Mighty Bredo, I always say, I'm like, you know, as a goaltender, you're in a fixed position. You you should see and file away those trends, right? And like, j- just to be a, a more, say, anticipating, you know, goaltender, like understanding, you know, like the the, the trends that are happening. But Marty was one of the smartest guys that I played with. Yeah. He was a goaltender, and yeah, he was like a hybrid, meaning like he like he wasn't a blocker, right. like he. He was a good skater, like we talked about earlier. But he would read, you know, shooters' eyes. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. He would be like on one side of the net, like, and the next thing you know, he's just oh, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. he's kind of like taking candy from a baby type thing, like in practice. You know, he's just kind of messing with you. Yeah. But that's like so important, like you know, like to, to reinforce what you just said. It's like he, you have to be able to be, you know, hockey intelligent to understand that though as well. And that's sometimes yeah. goalies don't get the credit, in my opinion, about the hockey intellect and, um, you know, reading plays and understanding where everyone is on the ice and trust, yeah. you know, from D. Like, you know, there's so much that goes into it. But I, uh, you know, I, yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, like that, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier was a, you know, maturity of game. And, yeah. you know, but as long as you're filing away that database like you were talking about and then understanding yeah. it. So I'm sure sometimes the game was easy for you. Like When you're feeling great, man, it's crazy how, again, easy is the wrong word, but just simple. It makes sense. It's, yeah. you know, I think Tom Brady used to say, like, you had the answers to the test before you got it. Like, it felt like that. Like, you just sort of know everyone is, all right, I count four guys over here. That means somebody's got to be over there. And, you know, so you just know yeah. he's there without seeing him. But to your point, I mean, it's – uh <clears throat> It's a, it's not a proactive position. You can't go out and like hit somebody or like make a play or do something to get in the game. You got to sit there and wait and you got to react based on what happens in front of you. So I think in order to make those reactions easier, like I said, you have to know what's going to happen ahead of time almost. But uh, to your point, like the emotional and mental maturity, it's, I think you get older too. And you knew this as you guys played, um, you know, certain situations, things are going to happen, you know, all right, <clears throat> the first five minutes, this team's going to come up buzzing. So we got to survive and get past this first five or, you yeah. know, Hey, there's a power play late in the second period in tie game. Like this is a pivotal moment. I got to ramp it up here and kill this penalty and go into the period one, one. So it's almost that situational awareness that you learn as you get older um, and you become more calm, less panicky, less nervous. You just sort of say, all right, like I know what to expect going into this game. Um, let's just handle it as it comes. Instead of like when you're young, it's like, man, 60 minutes is a long time. That's a long game to like stress yeah. out about and worry about what's going to happen. What could go wrong? So I think as you get older, you just learn how to, you know, be more mentally mature and calm and just, compartmentalize and just have your situa- situational awareness down. So it just helps you navigate through these games a little bit easier than when you're younger. No, that's great stuff. Uh, really, really insightful. We'll ha- talk about that that transition over to Jersey, right? Coming from uh, Vancouver and now coming, you know, back kind of, I, I would say, out east, right? Um, yeah. You know, it, it must have been a, a big transition for you, but for the – for the good, right? You're a little bit closer to home and everything and, uh, and, and obviously playing good hockey. Yeah. Van was awesome to be like a younger player in the league. Like, again, we had a great team. We had some really, we had two presidents trophy winning teams. The city was unbelievable oh, behind yeah. us behind it. So it was a blast to just live in that city and play as a Canuck on a really good team. 
And, you know, I was just dating my wife. Some, at the time. with some unbelievable players. Right <laughs> some good too, players. Too, right? Like, in yeah. Leg- legendary yep. Hall of Famers. Yeah. So I think at the time, you, not that you take it for granted, but you don't realize it. You sort of think, like, oh, this is how it's always going to be. And right. then you quickly realize it's not the case. Um, but, you know, I didn't expect to get traded. I didn't realize I was going to get traded from what I had heard or what they told me. It's like they weren't going to trade me. But yeah. obviously, like, the math and the contracts factored in, and they just did what was, I guess, easiest for them. But, um, yeah, like you said, though, at the time, you know, I was young. So going back east, being 27, got married that summer, had kids not long after. Being closer to home was nice. The travel was easier, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, we didn't see the East a whole lot, or at least I didn't play against the East a whole lot in Van because you only played them once or twice a year. Louis would play percent of them. So um, I sort of had to learn a whole new division and conference and get used to all these guys and all their trends and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we, we had some, again, talk about legends. You know, my first year was Marty and Yager and Patrick Galliosh. And, you know, just they were all over 40 years old. So that was the only issue, just the right place at the <laughs> wrong time. Um, so, you know, again, it, it was uh, – it was a bit of a struggle because you know you're trying to you're trying to replace Marty Broder basically. That's what you're brought in yeah. for. So the fan base I think was a little lukewarm on me, <laughs> which I get. Um, and you know I think we were just sort of aging out of our window and trying to hang on a little bit. We had a lot of guys 35 and older at the time, and the league was just starting to transition younger. So we kind of got caught in between you know a rebuild and and trying to contend. So um, you know there were some lean years there for sure and then you know we brought in Shiro and you know Lou left and we went in full full scale kind of rebuild mode which yeah. during the prime of my career wasn't ideal timing so um, just like I said I, I had a great time in Jersey I had a great experience I'm still very close to that place and that city and a lot of people there but it, for me it was kind of just the wrong place at the wrong time in my career and then again you know at the end there it sort of fell apart with injuries and just not playing well enough so it didn't end the way I'd, I would have hoped or liked to but you know again you don't really get to pick your path or how it goes so I just you know learned to accept it but where did you live down in Jersey? We were in Hoboken for two years, and then uh, we moved out to Short Hills once the baby came. So I got when I signed my extension, I knew it was going to be there for a while. We ended up buying the house. We rented for two years in Hoboken, which is great. Hoboken yeah. is like the North End and Southie, like put together. It's like Italian. Exactly. It's just like yeah. it's a blast. So we loved it there. It was a great time. Yeah, that's great. I mean, like we when I was there, they had just built the uh, the facility, so we, we were yeah. like practicing over in like West Orange. At, uh, you guys are South Mountain there, yeah. South, yeah. yeah. Dude, I've been yeah. at Zoo more times than you can count. We, we had season passes <laughs> to the, the Essex Zoo there, and oh man, it was a lifesaver during COVID. Yeah, the, the, the kids <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it, man. And you were, yeah, yeah, you guys are like West Orange, right? Greeny was telling me you guys all had this like little commune out there, West Orange. You guys would yeah mess around. It was, like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. But we uh we ended up you know after the so it was really cool for like the younger guys being able to like live in Hoboken and like go reverse traffic to Newark to. Right. Uh, practice yeah. facility so it allowed them to have good um you know say experience outside of the rank as well instead of right. being in west orange yeah, but um yeah we were in maplewood and you know we, yeah. we loved it in jersey and like yeah it kind of gets uh a bad rap, a bad rap because you <laughs> yeah. yeah you just see like the meadowlands and stuff as you drive yeah. down 95 but you follow that train line out to some really beautiful uh towns yeah. and cities once you get five minutes off the highway, it's great. I think the Lou factor scared a lot of people away too. <laughs> but once you play yeah. them, you realize it's just like, just follow it's the, the road and be Yeah, he's great. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I know we enjoyed our time there a lot. Just, you know, like I said, didn't have as much success on the ice as I would have hoped. I got to bring it back, right? So obviously I remember when you were coming in um, to BC and Matty Keltianen was a good player. Yeah. Um, you, you know, he was a really good goalie, right? And had some success there and the team was good. And then... He moved on and it was kind of your net. But then also, like, 
and not a lot of people are going to know this game, but Piercy came in too. Right? <laughs> Joe, Joey Pierce, Pierce. Who, he had the, man, the myth, uh, the legend, legend, right? So I'll tell you a story. I was running the junior terriers, Chris O'Sullivan. We were looking for a goalie coach. Chris O'Sullivan's like, Hey, I ran into Piercy at, uh, Lincoln the other night uh, in Salty. No, I don't even know if Lincoln was open at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> PSC comes out. He's like, he can come work with the goalies. I'm like, all right. He, he comes out. He's got like your blocker and glove on, right? I think from like Vancouver, you must have gave him some. <laughs> yeah, I gave him some stuff, yeah. Right? <laughs> he had strangler jeans on. Before, yeah, like, stranglers. Yeah, before like that was even a look, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah. obviously he was like setting the bar with the fashion stuff. But yeah. like, you know, we were all wearing like jabos still, right? And like huge jeans and, and, and whatever else, right? And they had like a leather bomber jacket, like the Rocky jacket. With yeah. The, uh, with so the fur? I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, guys, this is uh, Coach Pierce. He's going to be helping out the, uh, the the goalies for a couple weeks. And and like, I remember all the moms just like get, you know, like quickly to the glass, right? Like, who is this guy, right? And and, and for people that like, he looks like, like sunshine. Wild things right? on. Yeah, yeah exactly. it was like like I meet with people be like, who is this guy? Right. And I was yeah. like, no, he like played at BC and like he would skate with yeah. us too, right? Was mm-hmm. big yeah. and he was he was really, really good. But like yeah. was, what was that competition? Did you guys you didn't was there one year apart? Yeah, or, so the whole story behind that is uh I was supposed to go to the USHL for a year because they had they had Kultiain and they had Piercy came in as a freshman. It was like a fifth rounder by Tampa, like he was a stud. Right. And then that Ryan Miller is the walk-on, and I and then a scholarship opened up, so I, they they brought me in right away my freshman year. But we had four goalies, so I think they tried to get Piercy to like transfer. They're sort of like, hey, it's not going to work out here for you. Like, why don't you go somewhere else? And Joe was just like, no, I'll just take my scholarship and be a student this year. So it was like yeah. his sophomore yeah. year, he's just a regular student on campus and uh, had his hockey scholarship. And then Kaltiainen and uh, Millsy graduates; they're both seniors. So my sophomore year, Piercy came back. And we had uh, Adam Reasoner, Marty's youngest brother. Yeah. So yeah. I couldn't have asked for a better goalie trio than those those guys because they were just <laughs> the best guys ever. And it was funny. Like, Piercy worked – he worked his ass off. Um, he worked hard. He loved it. He loved being a part of the team. And uh, But he and Reese were both just like, hey, Schneids, you're net. Do your thing. We're here to support you. Like, we'll – We'll, we'll set up the up parties. The yeah, we'll set up yeah, the parties. Exactly. Just, uh, <laughs> just don't get, just don't get hurt. And uh, you know, and then the two years there, I played at the World Juniors, and uh, so I was gone for like the holiday tournament. Piercy stepped in, and I think won both tournaments, won MVP. I remember I came that. Back. Yeah, yeah, I came back, and he was like, "All right, Schneider, you're net again. Like, go for it, man. I'm good." <laughs> it's just like he plays like two games a year, and was like, "All right, we're good to go here." So, uh, yeah, I mean, he was awesome. He couldn't have been a better teammate and, and goalie partner. And, you know, like I said, he was a good goalie. I think people forget how he talented was, he was. He's like 6'5". Like five, you said, like, he was like a fifth-round fifth, fifth round pick, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a player, man. So uh, a little bit older. I think he came in as a 21-year-old. So, like, he was a little bit older. But, yeah, man, we used to call him Benjamin Button because he'd just get younger. As the, Like, he'd see him, like, at 30. <laughs> oh, yeah. and he's like, looked like he did when he was 20. And you're like, Jesus, man. So uh, <laughs> he's, he's a unique person and a unique character. And so I think, you know, he's one of my good buddies still. We have a goalie chain every now and then, him and Reese. <laughs> kind of start chirping on but uh yeah he was he was like i said really good so that's funny that he ran into him like that as a goalie coach oh yeah it, it trust me it didn't last long because it was like yeah. you know you, you, yeah 
we need you on Thursday night for skills. And he was like, no, that's DY. That's no, like, I can't do that. I, I go <laughs> no, somewhere else that night. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like my, my bocce uh, league's Thursday night. Like we yeah, talked exactly. about. <laughs> yeah. And he was fantastic. Like when he, yeah. you know, the, the, he's when great he, with kids. Like he's got that happy go lucky oh, yeah. personality. Like, he's like so happy. Yeah. That's so funny, man. Oh, that's a good call. You guys are pulling out a lot of good names right now. It was classic, classic. Well, that's great. So now, now, what do you um, as far as like you kind of you talk, you know, kind of about like your injuries and like your hips, like kind of failed you a bit, right? You know, it's very difficult yeah. to have tough hips uh, during, you know, that position of goaltending and you know, you, you movement. Like you came back and played, but can you talk about just a little bit, you know, towards the tail end of your career and like what, you know, some of the the difficulties that you maybe you know kind of faced. Yeah, you know, it was like I said, we'd, we'd had some tough years in Jersey there, and uh, just just couldn't make it work success-wise. I had some really good years statistically, and we couldn't score, and just didn't win. And um, then I started having some injury issues as we started getting a little better. So the timing again just wasn't quite there. But um, as I mentioned, like as a goalie, if you're behind the play at all, then you're in, you're dead. And I think you know, coming off the hip injury, it, it it takes longer than you realize. You're back after six months, but everyone I've talked to it says like it takes a full year to feel normal mm-hmm. again. And I think I, you know, not that I was rushed or anything, but I just, I didn't quite feel the same. So again, just for me, not being an elite athlete, like being a half second behind, all of a sudden you start leaving a little early or cheating a little bit, or, you know, trying to get ahead of it. Cause you, you're not trusting yourself. You're going to get to your spots in time because you may have lost just a half second of, of power or movement. And um, I think it just sort of spiraled a little bit, just, you know, couldn't, couldn't catch a break to win a game. You know, I'd play well and lose or, you know, not play well and lose five, four or something, but um, you know, I think the team probably just lost a little bit of confidence in me as well, which didn't help. And, um, you know, again, it, 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 it all happens for a reason, but I think, you know, COVID hit and I kind of ended the year. I spent most of the year in Binghamton and got called up at the very end and then played well right before COVID happened. So it's kind of like, yeah. that's a bummer, but, you know, I just thought about it. It's like, this isn't how I wanted to go out. I felt better physically and, um, you know, signed on with Lou there in the aisle and, um, uh, right. ended up being on the taxi squad that year. And I think, you know, working with Mitchie Korn and Piero Greco in the Island and just being back in that NHL atmosphere and environment, even though I didn't get to play that year, cause the two Russians, you know, never got sick or yeah. COVID or hurt. <laughs> so I don't know what they're just, I don't know what type of, I don't know what type of gas they were yeah. taking. Yeah. The Russian <laughs> gas. Um, so, but you know, I, they pointed some stuff out of my game that I hadn't really realized we crept in just some little adjustments and I was able to practice that year and uh, you know it wasn't like I was trying to hang on or just just get everything out of it but I said hey I, I still feel like I can play and I would hate to hang him up not knowing so I signed back on a two-way and um, played well in the American League and again just Soroki and Barley just never got hurt and are great goalies so this wasn't much room for me so I got some call-ups and backed up a bunch of games and I ended up getting that one game at the end of the year against Jersey in Jersey which was awesome and one yeah. yeah one four three so that was awesome. again I'm not yeah. yeah I'm not saying I could have come in and play 40 games that year and been really good. But, you know, I still felt I could play at that level and it just never really got the opportunity. And it is what it is. I knew that was a reality going into it, but I had fun. I was playing, like I said, I played really well in the American league, which is still a tough league, especially for goalies. And um, came back last year, just again, coming off that, that year and just hoping for maybe a little more opportunity, but again, um, just never got a look, got another couple call-ups and backed up a bunch of games, but never played. So at that point, you know, 37, I would had enough in the American league as much as I respected and loved that league. It's, you know, it was, it was time to kind of move on and I'd done everything I could with it. I wasn't going to just chase it forever for no real reason. And, um, you know, like I said, it, not a lot of people get to go out on their own terms and I don't know if I say I did, but I at least, you know, pushed as far as I could until I said, all right, you know, I've done everything I can and that's, that's it. So, 
um, not the way you, you write it up and not the way you hope it ends. But again, I was lucky to play 16 years of pro hockey and, um, you know, have the experiences I did. And, you know, again, it, sometimes things just work out a certain way. So I'm at peace with that and comfortable in retirement and happy that I'm not beating my, my body up against, you know, against all these kids these days, shooting high every time they come down the ice. Like you guys got to <laughs> teach your kids to start shooting lower at a younger age, man. These guys all cut to the middle of the ice and just rip it by your collar and <laughs> trying to go bar in. I'm like, man, just warm me up a little bit. Let me feel the puck before you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up off my, off my throat. Uh, so that, that kind of stuff I don't miss, but you know, you miss the locker room and the, as you guys know, you miss all that kind of the extra stuff. But um, you know, I knew it was time to, to kind of step aside and let the kids play. Oh, that's great. Uh, I had one before we let you go advice for, you know, the younger goalies, right? So that yeah. 12 year old, 13 year old kid that really, is, you know, is fully engulfed in the position. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I get this question sometimes when I work, you know, Brian DeCord's camps and I would show up and kids would come ask me, how do I get to do this? And how do I do that? And it's like, all right, well, where are you playing? He's like, well, I'm the second goalie on this team. I'm the third goalie on that team. And I'm, I'm like, you just got to find a way to play. You just got to find somewhere where you can get on the ice. You can see shots. Maybe it's a lower level. Maybe it's not as good a team as you'd like, but um, to not develop and just sort of practice, you got to, you got to get game reps and, you know, again, you want to learn how to win at some point, but, you know, I spent a lot of my career on teams that weren't the best of the best, you know, um, and I think it helped me because it just allowed me to get a lot of action, see a lot of pucks, again, fill that database of information and experience and mistakes and learn how to make mistakes and uh, learn how to correct them. So, you know, I know it's not possible everywhere you go, but if you have a chance to play in a team that maybe you don't want to be on, or maybe it's slightly less level, or, you know, it's not exactly your ideal situation, but you're playing, I think for me, that's, that's the most important part. Just get as many game reps as you can and then, you know, use your practice time to refine and correct and uh, improve upon things, but nothing, nothing replicates game action for a goalie and the timing and the speed and the mental ability of just trying to process information quickly. So for me, that's the number one thing in my book uh, in terms of just becoming better and learning. That's, that's great stuff there. I mean, you know, just coaches, you know, <clears throat> parents, players that listen to this, and I think that's a, a money message that you just said. And, yeah. you know, like, again, like good goalies are goalies. You know, you guys will always be weird. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just kind of a normal one, though. Yeah. Normal he, 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 yeah. 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 Normal enough. Like the, the, the two most normal that yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that, man. Um, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, again, it's just it's just a mindset, I think, sometimes, too. I I, I, just, I was too lazy to be too neurotic. You know, I just didn't have the energy to be that that long <laughs> up. So I was just, it was too much work. I had enough other stuff to worry about. So I said, you know, I'm just going to let, let things roll off my back a little bit here and not be too uptight about it. Are you a cat guy? Oh, man, you a- saw that, huh? I just saw that creep in the background. Yeah, that's George Michael. That's our cat. George Michael. George <laughs> Michael. Yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I'm a we like animals in my house so. is that a cat behind his head yeah yeah <laughs> he's been kind of like dude that just kinda, he, i called you half normal and that that just changed it unbelievable in that one frame just threw that all <laughs> out the window he was like rubbing up against my feet while i was doing this and stuff he's like sitting there looking at me i'm like jesus yeah no that was yeah. his cue to wrap things up he's like all right i'm just gonna show my face yeah, exactly. yeah he's like, All right, uh, let's go wrap, let's it up. wrap yep, this thing yeah. up and that's that's uh, rest of development george michael not the singer george michael so sure. <laughs> anybody who's wondering not a big 80s soft rock guy so <laughs> oh yeah, that's great that's about what right way that's about it. right yeah what a way to I'll, end it. i'll see myself out after that yeah right <laughs> oh man that's great so hey dude hey, i really appreciate you taking the time yeah, guys yeah yeah, that was uh, that was great. A lot of good stuff for our, our listeners to uh, kind of digest. And, 
you know, going back to like that hockey uh, intellect as a goaltender, it's so important. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with us. You got it, guys. You know, defense are the next closest thing, but nothing can quite replicate the goalie knowledge and everything we see in front of us. So, you know, you guys are close, but, you know, like I said, it's that's why coaches and GMs, the goalies, man. It's just we see everything. It's all in front yeah, of that's, us. That's right. And next, hey, and next time you go into the Colony Grill and get a yeah, nice yeah, hot, yeah, oil, yeah. Yeah, hot oil pie, Tell yeah. them the rank shrink sent you. I will. And, yeah, I will. We'll, we'll see if that advertisement's really working. Yeah, you, you, get, right. you get a little uh, discount. That's right. From the yeah. boys over there. We'll uh, see if they can throw you a slice yeah. or two. Yeah, free extra oil on mine or something. <laughs> oh, exactly. I will. I'll check it out. But yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me, guys. This is great. This is great. Really appreciate it. Some great stuff. Um, this was fantastic. So we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you. Got you. it, guys. All right. Thanks, boys. <laughs> That interview was brought to you by Sparks. The Sparks is the at-home or on-the-road skate shopping machine. Head on over to SparksHockey.com and use BY Mots for $50 off your Sparks Sharpener. Sparks is the at-home skate shopping machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head on over to sparkshockey.com and order your machine today. Yeah, Mott, uh, it's hockey season. It's Christmas time. It's holidays, right? Like, there's nothing better than the Sparks. So make sure you take advantage of that BY Mott's $50 off promo code uh, and order your machine so you're ready for the holidays. And uh, take care of the kids, right? They need the Sparks. It makes your job easier. So, uh, Mott's great interview with Schneids. Uh, good dude. Like you said, uh, you know, was watching him. Uh, he was interviewing the Hughes parents. Um, yes. And, you know, he's just like very articulate, very smart guy. Obviously, he was in Jersey, right, with Jack. Yep. Um, so, you know, got to know them a bit and, and just uh, like great story, smart kid, you know, interesting upbringing and everything. I, I, I really liked his breakdown of, you know, even like, getting to the next level of playing right and like his movements and like you know using his crease like i was like i was like blown away i was like wow i feel like i'm at like a goalie session right now like getting a master's degree in it yeah and and the thing is it's really good for you know the young players who are playing the position of goal that you know to make it make the position easier and that's what his kind of message was you know the painted crease you know, the net's not moving, and you can make positional saves if you pay attention to the small details of the movements in the crease and where you are um, on your ankles. So right. it's, you know, it, it makes complete sense, but it's something that, you know, he worked at. A lot of goalies that you see continue to do the same drills that, you know, these younger players would be doing. So you just want to kind of refine your craft and keep working at it and, he had some really good uh, ideas and a message behind it. So we're happy that uh, he came on. And, yeah, again, great guy, engaging, had some good laughs. You know, he's uh, he's a good dude. Yeah, no, really good guy. Um, all right, now it's time for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week, myhockeyrankings.com. Obviously, check it out, see where your team is, see where they stack up against the rest of the, uh, you know, the U.S., Minnesota, Canada, wherever you are. Uh, they have your rankings and, uh, and, and they do a great job with it. But the question is, did you guys take a checking clinic 
um, first part of the question. And when do you think hitting should be allowed in youth hockey? What is the benefit from learning how to hit at a younger age? Oh, that's a loaded one. Tough yeah. one. You Tough know, one for the my hockey rankings question of the week. And we've covered this in, in different areas, but I would say learning to check is is very important at whatever age you're going to be doing it at, right? Yeah. When yeah. they when you introduce it a little bit younger, there's less force. Um, you know, the kids are like gumby a little bit, and more often than not, it's a little bit more say size and strength appropriate. Um, but then when you actually, you know, at the Bantam level where it's set right now, you know, there's some growth, you know, spurts and size discrepancies. And, you know, there can be some uh, some dangerous hits if, if, if you're not doing, you know, if you're not checking properly. So, and again, my, you know, we talk about it. It's about separating the player from the puck, right? So it's angles and skating, you know, and your hands are down and you want to just try and the puck's the most important thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you just want to separate the player from the puck, going through the hands along the wall or whatever, you know, situations. And then when you know there is a time where you don't have an angle and it's a cutback or whatever, you just got to make sure you keep your hands down and, and really uh, and, and trust the the technique that you know hopefully coaches out there are, are teaching. But I would say uh, earlier the the would be better for me, at least you know like the pee wee level. You know, even second year squirts. Like, I mean, I yeah. think that that would be even more appropriate. But we've covered this to- topic a few times, and can kind of go right around with it. Yeah, we've gone round and round with it. Um, I think the you know the beginning part of the question is uh, about a checking clinic, and absolutely, yeah. I don't recall ever doing one. Right? They weren't around. They weren't. They weren't. They really weren't a thing. But um, nowadays, if your child is going to start checking the sooner and and more often than you can do them, I would get them involved in it just so they learn how, you know, all the things that you were just talking about, Mots. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go to a properly run check-in clinic, they're going to teach you those things. And I would try to do a couple of them before tryouts and before that season starts where you, um, you know, where, where checking becomes real. And then to add on to your point, I hate to say like, and I think we, when we interviewed Jeff Merrick, right? Like he, you know, we asked him about this and he talked about like, Hey, I'm not a doctor. I don't want to like, you know, like sacrifice a kid's head by any means. I just think that we're seeing so many, I'm seeing personally so many injuries now at the Bantam level from kids because of the size discrepancy of when the body contact starts, right? So you you figure if these kids learned how to check when they were in squirts, right? Not there's not like such a big size gap. When they get to bantams, there's huge size differentials. Like there's yeah. kids that are just, you know, whatever, like more six physically feet tall, yeah. right? And going through puberty versus a kid that's not even close. Um that just isn't there yet, right? So, like, in the past two weeks, I've heard of a um, couple kids, U14 age group, like two broken collarbones uh, and two different concussions. And it's like, would that have – would you know, like, and obviously it could happen at any point in time, but if those kids had learned how to play the game just a little bit differently, like because of the body contact at squirt or at might, like we, we started at might. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And again, I've said it a thousand times, but like I was never the most physical player, but like I knew how to avoid a hit. I knew how to give a hit um, and protect you know, and, yourself and protect myself from a hit. Right. So uh, if you're playing for, you know, whatever it is, like six, seven years without any type of, um, you know, ramifications for like carrying the puck with your head down and stuff like it, it it's tough to break those habits. Right. So I don't know. I'd be interested in what the stats are in terms of like, you know, and, and I'm sure this isn't even documented, but I just, I'm seeing a lot of injuries at the, you know, 14, 15, 16 age group. Right. And I think there's a lot of bad habits that have been developed because of no body contact. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, protecting yourselves is, you know, against a, a check is, you know, more important sometimes, you know, yeah. with your, you know, so when you're having, you know, this, these bad habits of carrying the puck without much awareness or much consequence of coming through the middle with your head down, you know, per se, um, or just putting yourself into bad positions along the wall, you're yeah. putting so much trust into the hitter versus being aware and being able to avoid the contact. So I think it's just a, a, a couple layers here of, you know, teaching the game correctly about awareness. And then also you can run through some drills about protection and like the reverse hit, being able to like protect the puck and absorb the hit. But like you're giving a little bit, you know, energy back into the, the hitter who's coming at you and like little things like that can really help you know the confidence of you know taking taking a hit when you start doing it because it is it is scary at, at at first you know yeah and I, I mean i think john tortorella had some quotes in the past week right when uh hathaway hit um hit the the luke hughes right the youngest one mm -hmm. and it was like you know i don't i don't want to read it but it was like more or less you know like yeah it's a it, it's a physical game it's contact like you know back in the day that wouldn't even been a penalty right but and again, that's not even close to the quote, but it's it's kind of like, you know, the accountability has been taking off the guy with the puck on a stick, right? And you see it, so you see it at like all different levels, but like if you play a physical brand of hockey, you just have to be ready for that body contact. It's it it it's tough. It really is. It's like a you know we could sit here and talk about it all night. Right. We go back and forth and like <clears throat> pros and cons. But I do. I generally do think that if they started it a little bit younger, it would be, you know, even like bumping and stuff. Right. Because like, you, you, you know, you start to teach the kids at a younger age, like you need to protect yourself for those hits. Right. Like and trust me, like I'm coaching kids, I'm coaching peewees now. And it's like, hey, guys, like. You know, I did a drill tonight in practice where it was like, you know, old school mods like D turn the stick over, like playing one on ones. Right. And I'm like, you know, hey, like next year, like you're going to be able to to use your body and, and hit that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and like forwards, everyone wants the toe drag and dangle and especially in a one on one right in practice. Right. So it's like so it, it's twofold. Right. You're teaching the defenseman how to defend you know, in, in watching the body, watching the chest, not fishing. But then also you're telling the forwards too, like, hey, like, you better be ready. Like, you you go for that toe drag next year, that guy's going to lay a shoulder right into your chest. Yeah. Or like right. taking it to the middle and 
not expecting someone coming across or right know, there could right. be some some real consequences there but that's uh that's good yeah and that's kind of was my point multiple layers of you know it's not just checking you know, right the right. awareness yeah. the puck protect absorb um you know absorbing hits and then when you are the hitter to kind of have good technique and and good habits so that you're not you know jeopardizing someone's safety or hurting yourself so yeah but at the end of the day the current state check-in clinics if you got them if you can sign up for them if there's you know somebody that's there and teaching it and teaching it properly i would absolutely encourage you to sign up mm -hmm. um because it's only gonna it's only gonna help you and i would even suggest as a coach if i was you know coaching teams that are going to be you know entering checking next season which i am it's like start practicing you know some bumping some hitting some physicality and practice like just to get used to it because you really do want to you know i think in my first practice that of my own nine team i had two kids get concussions mm. you know and you're oh, like actually it's, it, it's scary it really is actually i remember uh when i was growing up i got my shoulder pads on and we had, we had a heavy bag you know <laughs> push it and then time the you know the, the the heavy bag coming back and just giving it a little extra pop you know yeah so I, I i did my own checking clinic in the garage <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i just that's awesome i, just, I can picture you looking like icebox with the big dons he's on with the with, using a heavy bag to hit you exactly that's great that's great oh, yeah that's i love a, it that's good stuff that is good stuff well uh, thanks to uh, Corey Schneider for jumping on this week. He was fantastic. Uh, good stuff. Good questions. Thank you to the sponsors. And uh, just a reminder that this show was presented by Bet Online. Thanks to everybody for listening. And it is time to cue the Rink Shrink Shuffle. <laughs>